Y'all ready to be history? It's started. Welcome. Hi. 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 Hello, everyone. To the Pro Audio Suite. Thanks to Rode Microphones. These guys are professional. They're motivated. Introducing Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post, Chicago. Darren Robert Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging, Sydney. Tech to the VO Stars. George the Tech Whitam from LA. And me, Andrew Peters. Voiceover talent and home studio guy. Line up, ladies! Here we go. And welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. Don't forget our Patreon, patreon slash proaudiosuite.com if you'd like to help us out. Uh, this week, we're talking about passive and active studio monitors. What are best? It's funny because, like, if you think about the 80s, you had Bob Claremont with his NS10s. Uh, Hugh Padgham had some other passive speaker. I can't remember what it was, but anyway... Everyone in the 80s seemed to use passive speakers. Was that because there were no powered speakers, active ones? I have no idea. Genelec was, I think, the first one that really broke powered speakers. Them and the Meyer HD1s were some of the, that I remember at least, the first powered speakers. Um, And the big deal there was that they were bi-amped as well. I don't think it was such a big deal that you had a shorter path of the power to the speaker. Um... Just a different crossover design. The crossover is it's before the, power the amplifiers, level, right? and, and you can design a more, I don't know, de- whatever. You can fine-tune it. Yeah, you can really fine-tune it, and then you can control exactly how much power goes to I each think, driver. I think also you didn't need as big capacitors because you weren't dealing with power. You were just like mm-hmm. line level, so the crossover could be smaller. And um, yeah, but powered speakers sound great for many are extremely convenient, right? You just plug in your XLR, so you just need two cables. You don't need another box in between. For sure, they're um, convenient. Yeah. For sure. But what about sound quality? At least as good. I mean, there's. I mean, really, I don't think it makes a difference. You can have an amazing pair of powered speakers, and you can have an amazing pair of passive speakers. Right. Um, they each have an amp, and they each have drivers, and that's what's going to make them sound good or bad. So I don't think that... Being it's hard to powered say. makes them better sound-wise. It makes them convenient and smart and a lot of other things. Simpler. Yeah. Simpler. Just recently, as you would know, um, I went from the, um, the Dynaudio BM6s, which were passive, and I had an amp in the room, to the Atom Audios, um, the A7Xs. And, look, I mean, I, I love the Atom's Audios. I would never trade them in. But I could equally say that about... The Dyn Audios as well. I really liked those. Um, I think I just like the thing I like more about the the, the Atoms is sort of especially for me the stereo separation um, and all that sort of stuff that seems to be a lot because the tweeters are kind of like yeah because like the ribbon tweeters. But I mean, yeah. I, I, I equally liked both. I, I my preference would be the the Atoms, but you know, Jesus, they were both great sets of monitors. So do you, do you feel like some level, because you're like, I like the atoms more than the, you know, or they're different, but do you think any level of that isn't necessarily the, the brand, just the bi-amping versus, versus single amping? Yeah, look, it was interesting because any- I, was, I was saying, um, Andrew and I were talking about this yesterday and I was saying you can't really draw a comparison because, you know, the atoms have the ribbon tweeters, whereas, you know, the Dyn Audios were just two cones. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think for me, especially doing radio imaging, the, the biggest thing is that stereo separation, which is much more clear and ninety percent certain that comes from the ribbon tweeters, right? So which that, is 
not a pat, not a active versus passive. That's right. Issue. You could have it for either. That's right. Exactly. Yep. So you know, that's I think that's more a speaker thing than a than an actual active versus passive thing. And that's sort of probably what I was trying to say was you know I I, I could easily do my work using both. The comparison that would actually be, well, give us a better idea of what's better is the new Chris Lord Algae speakers that he's done with Aventone, the mm. what they call CLA-10s, where he's made a copy of the NS-10, but he has the passive and active versions of those. So it'd be interesting to hear the difference between those two speakers. Hmm. You know, I, I think there's something to be said for passive speakers. If you think about it, no one's going on tour with active speakers. You know, they're running amp racks. And so on a massive scale, there's reasons to run passive speakers. And I think also sometimes when you think about it, it's, it is actually easier to wire up a place with uh, passive speakers and active speakers. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was always looking for somewhere to hide the amp when I, um, when I had the passive monitors in the room, especially, you know, once I started podcasting and was needing to (laughs) record out of the room, that was always a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what about the cost difference? So the active speakers are inevitably more expensive, though. They yeah. are, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I think it's about like another 45, 50% more expensive. For, right. I'm talking about the CLA 10s. That, that's so that, that would be difference. an advantage to a passive speaker if that's something that, you know, you look at, there, there are some amazing passive speakers like the Pro X or the Pro AC. I think they're referred to as Pro X. You know, those sound great. They're small. They're passive. I don't know that they make an active pair of Pro-Ax, actually. I don't think they do. Yeah, but they may be cheaper, the speakers, but you've got to buy yourself a decent amp to drive them. So. Well, and also, you you know, the, yeah. I guess the, the opposite to that is with the actives is that you you haven't got a an amp fan running and all that sort of stuff in the room. So um, if, if that's where well, you've got to Most amps it. are air-cooled. Mm. Well, I mean, a lot of studio, amps, studio are. amps are, but not yeah. live amps. Yeah. Yeah. Those live right. amplifiers are now putting out three to five thousand watts hmm. per. Rack yeah, space. so they're they're running fans, but not. I mean, I I don't see, for instance, a theater running with uh, you know, you don't you don't see them wiring up with active speakers, and the reason no. why is because at some point, active speakers become inconvenient compared to passive speakers because. If it's all up on the desk stereo, it's easy to get power to them. But as soon as you have to start distributing speakers throughout the room and getting them to mount nicely, having to locate power everywhere or one running not just yeah. two audio lines but power also, that that becomes a liability in a sense to the ease of setup and things like that. So also also the weight. I mean, I've got those um, Yamaha uh, MSP tens. Uh, MSP10 Studios that came out after the NS10, and they weighed 25 kilos each. Uh, that's pretty heavy. It's bloody heavy. When you're moving them, it's a backbreaker. Yeah. That's a child or a big dog. Yeah. Or in my case, a not quite as fat and hairy as my dog. <laughs> well, amplifiers but, uh, have gotten more, uh, have gotten lighter weight as they've gone to what they call Class D, and Class D digital amps are way lighter weight, like, Per watt, so that's what all the touring systems are using now, and it, it's made their rack systems so much lighter. I, I know there are active touring systems that are powered. I mean, it, it's just—it's such a preference. I, I can say for a home user, like a desktop or a small you know, midfield monitor, another advantage of powered speakers is they will—they can protect themselves from destruction really effectively. 
mm-hmm. because they have like they have detection circuits and feedback networks that monitor the output of the speaker to make sure that you're not clipping the amp. They have all kinds of protection and it's But you very can always just to... throw a fuse into a speaker line and pretty much got it protected. Yeah, I mean, but it these do it dynamically, like ongoingly. It's just like if you do something dumb, like my Mackie HR824 is right here on my desk, they have an overload light. And when you really ha- hammer them, if you see that overlight light comes on, okay, back it down a little bit, buddy. You're you're clipping. You're getting on the edge of clipping, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, the, the advantage of the active speakers is that the manufacturer can make the exact amplifier that is needed for the speaker. Impedance so matches. It's a great exactly. pairing, of course. Perfect and, impedance matching, perfect yeah. crossover design. They can optimize the living heck out of it. And in the case of my HRA24s, you know, they can package everything in a very compact way. Like these even have a passive radiator on the back. Mm-hmm. Huge oval yeah. shaped passive radiator that's actually completely hidden behind the amplifier. Um, you won't even know it's there, but it yep. makes these speakers like ruler flat down to like 30, I think it's 38 hertz, something like that. They slam. <laughs> like for, yeah. for, for large ish bookshelf speakers, they're eight inch drivers. They, they have an unbelievable amount of output, more than I could ever use in my apartment. That's for sure. Well, without being arrested, yeah. <laughs> without, yeah, without the neighbors being really pissed at me. Yeah. Or without yeah. the neighbors stealing, robbing your garage because yeah. you're annoying them. You know, yeah. you know what's funny is the, the style of active speaker, which is where they stick the amp in one of the two speakers, and then they make yeah. you run a passive line from one speaker to the other. For usually the cheapy ones. Those yeah. are usually the lower end ones. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Is this active yeah. or bad? It's both. Yeah, yeah, that's a good Yeah, that's a good question. If you buy like the $100 monitor speakers, like a pair of monitors like Mackie or there, there are actually some okay ones. Even M audio had some somewhat decent like desktop. Like they're usually yeah. like four inch monitors. They're AV very, 40s. very, yeah, they're very desktopy. The, 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 I'm really happy with the stuff from personas. They're doing the Eris brand, even at the really low end, the hundred dollar ones that are like that, you know, ones that one's the amp and one's passive. They still sound surprisingly good. Um, and if you go a little bit more pricey into the, Higher level ERS, I think it's ERIS, E R I S 4.5s or the fives. Damn good sounding speakers for, you know, under $300 a pair. You know, those, those wow. have been the ones I've been recommending more so lately. And, you know, as long as they last, so many people, them audios, the amplifiers started going bad and buzzing and losing drivers and stuff. So time yeah. will tell. That's the thing. It's funny because the little Genelex I've got, the um, 8010s, uh, from memory, I think they've got two amps oh, yeah. per speaker. So yeah, they, that, that, actually... that's what the bi-amping is. Yeah. yeah, each driver has a dedicated amplifier, and there's a crossover yep. that's deciding what frequencies go to one amp and one, you know, what goes to the other amp. And you know. if you have a really fancy pair of passive speakers, it will give you terminals for that's right. powering the tweeters or even the mid-range. They might be three-way mm-hmm. separately from the from the bass. And then usually there's a bracket that binds them together because not many people right. have an external crossover. Right. Because <laughs> then you're getting the same thing as the you know, active speakers, a line-level crossover. That's audiophile, some... basically mm-hmm. audiophile stuff where they, they yeah. even have external crossover networks and stuff that right. they use and they really go crazy with they want to control absolutely every aspect 
of what's going on. The direction of the cable, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what's the most popular in commercial studios and powered projects? Powered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think passive speakers are, you're running passive speakers mainly when you're trying to run a classic pair of Oratones or, um, you know, NS10s, maybe maybe some, you know, uh, Pro Axers. There, there are some high-end speakers. Like a lot of mastering facilities are all running passive speakers and they're amp- amplifying externally usually. Yeah. But that's because they tend to start using kind of audiophile. super high audiophile prosumer, like not yeah. consumer, but just like crazy. Yeah. So it goes full circle, right? The super high-end is passive. The super low-end is passive. And in the middle on up to the high end is active speakers. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah. And I was looking at the Genelec specs. The Genelec 8010s have a 25 watt amp, and these are class D digital amps, a 25 watt base amp and 25 watts treble amp. So they have the ability to drive the same amount of power to each of the drivers, which is interesting because you wouldn't think a treble driver would need as much need, juice yeah. as a base driver, but. I guess they decided, you know, for maximum accuracy, the lowest amount of distortion. That's the hmm. key. And that was always the key classically to have avoid distortion was to use far more power than power you actually than you use. Need. Right. Right. It's like you want a 300 per channel amp monoblock and you're going to use 20 or 30 of it, like 95% of the time until yeah. you like hit this huge. You well, know, and it's also transient. very important with with speakers to look at their or with amps to look at their RMS capacity versus their peak capacity. Yeah, they give you those two specs sometimes because they the peak amplitude, the peak ample, uh, what is it? Power rating is more impressive usually. Yep, <laughs> it's like it's, a much higher number. Yeah, it's really the RMS number that you're most concerned about. The RMS is truly the the loudness. That you would perceive as the, are they right. loud or not? That's the average. A sustained output that yeah. you can put out over time. We'll see. Back in the good old days, when you buy a hi-fi, we used to quote uh, the RMS figure. People always want sure. to know what's the RMS on this thing per channel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and then in the eighties, like it became the peak. Or yes, something? I was going to say yeah. you were on the same page. Like if you bought a boombox in the eighties, it would have a sticker on it that says three hundred watts. Per yeah, channel, power, and then it would say yeah. a little label, peak power right. per it's like, blah, blah, blah. Is that horsepower at the crank or at the wheel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What do you really actually use versus yeah. what's a good number? Uh, yeah. Whatever sells it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, what, do you, what do you have? You have the 8010s. Robert, what are your daily drivers these days? So I have a pair of uh, Genelec 1030s at, mm-hmm. on the near fields. Um, mm-hmm. Also have NS10s, um, but they're it's usually one or the other. And then on the midfield, I've got um, Meyer HD1s. So those are all those are both powered speakers. And then um, I've got some other passive speakers. So, or the, the Genlocks and the Meyers are powered. The NS10s are not powered. Those are passive. Um, I've got I've got a bunch of like different you know. B&W and some other speakers that I use. So everything else is passive. Those mm-hmm. are my only powered speakers I have. And then at the other studio, we have um, 1031s, which one thing I appreciate about Genelec, you know, especially my experience with the 10 series from the, you know, 1029s all the way up to like the 1032s and even bigger. 
speakers, they always sound very consistent. Yeah. And they just get louder and the bass goes lower. Right. But everything else seems to be very much the same in the way they present their sound yeah. stage. The voicing really is great. the same no matter yeah. what. They're super, super. Uh, well, I, I think what yeah. happened with Yamaha after the um, NS10s, when they moved to the MSP10, which is the ones I've got here, the MSP10 and MSP10 Studio powered, ones. powered speakers, they are, they're, they're huge. Um, and I think they were doing the Genelec thing. With their speakers and like everybody, the sound on sound reviews love them. Everybody loved them, but they just didn't sell. And I, I kind of guessed that Genelec just owned that territory and they couldn't get in. Well, everyone went chasing after the Genelecs. Like, weren't the the event which is now Rode the twenty twenties were yep. marketed as like basically Genelec clones, and they they actually were my first pair of speakers. I I actually had a passive pair of them and. You know, they yeah, got the job those. done really well. I, I think that there's like real subtleties in there, in the especially in the high end. But they're passive speakers. They had very much, I thought, a behavior similar to the Genelex once I, you know, began using Genelex. So, and for whatever reason, when I got my first monitors, I got I went with the Mackies. I think they were similar in output and design to the Genelec 1031s, but just a lot less expensive. Like Yeah, these, and, they, and they also were kind of marketed as like, I mean, look at how they look. Yeah. They, they just look, they try to look like Genelex. The waveguide is really similar to what the 1031s use. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just they were, even when I bought them new in 98, they were about, I think I remember they were like $600 a piece. So they weren't cheap right. in 1998. Um, but even at that time, they were probably, I bet, half the price of the Genelex. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. Genelics, Genelics are, are definitely not cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Even the little yeah. baby, the eight three-inch ones, the ones that uh, uh, Andrew has are 350, yeah. 350 that are, that are US not each. <laughs> yeah, each. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, they are bi-amp. They have two amps per the The, the little small ones? The 810 yeah. has a, they, a 25 they, The 6000 series, I think, is not bi-amped. Oh, maybe, yeah. No, yeah, the there, 810, that little tiny 810 with a three-inch driver has... And a 25 watt bass and a 25 watt treble digital yeah. amp, and it goes down to 67. Which 67 is enough to get a little bit of a kick drum. You're not going to get the thump, but you can really you, you can know. get a feel for it. Yeah, it's not yeah. like it's not all the way down, but what can you expect? Yeah, it's I pretty mean, amazing. Unless you're Bose and you start running tubes <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? <laughs> There are some pretty impressive ones from um, of all companies you wouldn't think, but IK Multimedia. Yeah, they I've make heard, these I've little Genelec sized. They're really tiny, yep. but they can put out down to like fifty hertz or something like that. They they're they're pretty amazing low end on them. Like it's kind of shocking, and um, they're really tiny. That's like those Pro X. Those Pro X have amazing low end, and they're just like kind of bookshelf, like I think six inch, not even ten inch drivers, and they just. Mm-hmm. They're ported and they just have that tuning just right. And they, and and usually on those speakers, I don't know if you remember the Boston acoustic speakers, um, the like the first ones that started using like a metal a metal uh, um, surrounding, and um, mm. and then there's the pair of what were they the Radio Shack? Do you ever use the Minima Seven Minima or Minima I Sevens? This. I think. Yeah. yeah. Hold on one second. Yeah. Sage, <laughs> not now. <laughs> Where's your recording uh, on the air light? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Calls. You need one of those. 
Absolutely. But so so the the Radio Shack Minima Sevens, which I think were copies of the Boston Acoustics, and you'd see these little four inch speakers, and you get a ton of bass out of them, and then you look at them, and that little driver is flying all over the place. Like yeah. the excursion is, I mean, they're moving like at least an inch forward and back. Like they almost have like a two inch throw, and they're just it's still about moving air in the end. Yeah. You know? Moving air, but still controlling that motion so that they don't distort. That's right. Where, that's where they have a lot of trouble. The more excursion, the, the more, more time it takes to get back. Right. And that means you need more powerful magnet structures. Right. You know, it takes a lot of a lot of science in there to get all that to go. Not distort, but yeah, it's... Right. But when you look at like an 18-inch speaker sometimes, and you see how much like air is coming out of it and the yeah. speaker barely moves like a quarter inch and it's just like poof. right yeah and that's because it's got all that surface area to move the air mm-hmm. instead of like a uh whatever the yeah the distance you know well I'm, I'm glad to have my mackies back even if i hardly get to use them but they're not mine i actually traded them a client i actually a client had these and in, in they're like i never ever use them and they're huge i want to get rid of them and so i traded for some those little tiny IK multimedia speakers, those little baby ones, mm-hmm. and uh, I got these, and and so now I have the ones that I used to have in my recording remote truck back in 1998. Oh, cool. Back on my desk again, and it's kind of fun. It's neat. It's yeah, neat yeah. to have the those old speakers back. A bit of nostalgia. It is nostalgic. Yeah. yeah, and they still sound darn good. I mean, they've done a couple maybe additions since then, some updates, but. They still sound great. I know there's people that still use these. They're it's fine. like headphones. Once you tune Just your hearing in your studio, yeah. yeah. Once you know a speaker, like the NS10s, there's people that are still going to swear by those 30 years later. Or, um, or even I love NS10s. And I love mixing music on NS10s, and I still like to mix commercials more on Genelex. Yeah, because I find that the speakers kind of steer you a little bit one way or the other. Right. Um, and it's funny. Yeah, but. Get to know your speakers because they frequencies don't go out of fashion. They're <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Know your speakers, know your room, and know when they're not accurate. I'll say last the very last thing that I know about active speakers is Genelec has active speakers with onboard measurement. That's so right. you plug in a microphone and the speakers calibrate themselves to your yeah, environment. Yeah. And that's yeah. really where I mean sometimes stuff. doing like full up frequency sweeps. Yeah. That's that's a whole other level. I yeah, mean, they do that. You can get they external that. systems that do that, but, um, nope, you know, like the Trinove. Have you ever heard of that system? No. Oh, it's it's amazing. It, it it has, like, three microphones, and it measures not just the frequency sweeps, but it figures Jeez. out delays, and it tunes yeah. the whole room. It's a surround thing, and... <sighs> Yeah, and it takes a tiny pair of speakers and makes them sound like huge. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. That's so cool. JBL had a little monitor controller that I installed one time, you know, just for volume control, switching speakers. But it had a, a measurement mic, and right. it ran an application on a Windows PC. I had to use Windows to, to run the app. But it did just that, too. And you could plug any monitors into it, and it would calibrate. It's pretty so cool. I had a pair of... I still have actually a pair of speakers from Iowa from an, like an eighties uh, looking um, like, it had, okay. A cool the drivers company. were square, yeah. even though they definitely were a coil magnet underneath there, but yeah. all the drivers were square so that they could timeline. Everything goes all on a flat plane. 
was yeah. the first thing they did. But it had a microphone hanging right in front of the, the the woofer. And I had built into this stereo system like an active management of itself. Wow. You just cool. push a bur- you just push a button on and it'd kind of adjust the bass and get a little bit tighter. Wow, that's very it. clever. Yeah. Who's still awake? No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that was truly no. geeky. Well, that was good though, because nineteen uh, sixties, there you go. Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Even oh, yeah. before Robbo. Even before exactly. me. That's right. Exactly. In fact, I think before all of you, <laughs> I think except that's, me. That, that is the year known as pre-Robbo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we could say that Andrew predates powered speakers. I do. Yes. Let me get back to that Google page. Here's, here's our ignorance being exposed, or my ignorance. <laughs> yes, um, we Google. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my first experience with... Active monitors, I said, was Genelec and Meyer, and I think that those companies in the pro audio studio world did break the concept and really marketed it well. And th- th- those are the first popular ones. But here it says some of the first powered loudspeakers were JBL monitor speakers, with the addition of the SE four hundred one stereo energizer introduced in nineteen sixty four. Boom! Uh, is that where the energizer energizer bunny came from? No, mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> Didn't right. have bunnies back then. It would have been small dinosaurs. And did, and did it say that the power was internal or was it like a dedicated um, here, let, let me, let me click you... into the article and it says um, uh, history, SC41. The first studio monitor with the active con- uh, crossover was the CY invented in 1967 with uh, by Klein and Hummel. It was a hybrid three-way design with two internal amplifier channels. Early examples of bi-amping power studio monitors huh. is the Altec 98468B, introduced in 1971, combined with a passive A speaker, uh, triple amp, 60 watts. Let's see if this article has, says anything about Genelec. I'm going to search this article for Genelec. Well, I, I saw that the Genelec 1030As came out in 94. So that's pretty early in the evolution for like studio. Power yeah, but, but okay, Genelec, G E N E L. Was there a ten thirty one? It's not a even mentioned also? in this article. Powered speakers is the name of the Wikipedia article, and Genelec isn't in the Wikipedia. Is not in there. <laughs> that's fascinating. Wow, because they're definitely synonymous to me as well with powered. Monitors. When I was at Virginia right. Tech and working in the studio, we had the very earliest, the 10, I think they were the 1030s. Were they the very first ones that came out? Yeah, so, so here it is. Uh, they do mention Meyer in this article. Yeah. And they say, in 1980, Meyer Sound, Laboratories, uh, le- sorry, Meyer Sound Laboratories produced the integrated active two-way system, the passive UPA-1, which was incorporated into the... M3, whichever mm-hmm. that one was. And, when, and then uh, it's the integrated crossover, feedback, this and that, and all the design. Um, in 1990, uh, Meyer produced the first powered speaker, the HD1. So, but that's its first powered speaker. JBL was doing this in the 60s. Yeah. Wow. Before them, according to this. It is really interesting to me that Genelec does not have a place in this particular article. That's weird. Yeah, I, wonder, I agree. Genelec is synonymous with powered speaker. J, I wonder if JBL continuously developed and produced 
powered speakers all the way through the 60s, 70s, and 80s, or if it was like a sort of an engineering exercise, try it out, make it see if it works, but it was too whatever, heavy, expensive, whatever, and, they, and then they stopped making them for a while and wonder, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe part of the breaking of the market, in a sense, was when, um, you know, the amplifiers got smaller, and that was starting in the 80s and 90s, you know, switching power supplies and things like that that yeah. made it possible to put it into the speaker. I mean, because, power as we all know, active speakers are heavy. Yeah, <laughs> and power supplies are heavy. They, they, yeah. That's another thing that's gotten modernized is power supplies. They've become right. far, far lighter weight and more compact. I mean, look at the charger for your MacBook, you know, how much smaller it is now than it was, you know, 10 years ago. Keeps shrinking. Yeah. And it's not that it's putting out less power. It's just... But it, it puts it out in different ways. It's a switching power supply instead of like a continuous current. Right. Right. And that's, that's how they get it smaller because it's... I think it's playing on AC, somehow making it... DC, but it's like in pulses. It's not like a continuous. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that is, it's true. And most equipment is perfectly happy with that. And if you filter it well, power is power. Yeah. Well, there you go. Active or passive? This is the question. Mm. Exactly. And you did not get an answer. No, <laughs> no you never will. Well, we got a discussion. <laughs> Nobody, we're ever going to ever going to tell you black or white, yes or no. It's yeah, exactly. your own mind. For each his own. <laughs> what do you yeah. talk about? You, you talk about commitment here? Get out of I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, open a can of worms if you start doing that. <laughs> well, that was fun. Is it over? The Pro Audio Suite recorded using Rode NTG5s and Source Connect. Edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging with tech support from George the Tech Wizard. Help us share the show with more people and get your hands on exclusive content by contributing to our Patreon page. See patreon.com forward slash Pro Audio Suite. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say g'day, drop us a note at our website. The Pro Audio Suite. 